Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez with Ivan Ocampo. Good day. And Eric Kurlvino. Meow. <laughs> inside uh, joke. So that's an inside joke that we'll maybe let you in on in a little bit. Maybe. We'll draw yeah, we'll we'll explain. We'll put it in a little bit of context. Uh and we're also gonna tell you what we're smoking, because we are smoking cigars, except for Ivan. Ivan is feeling under is under the weather fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be back to normal fairly soon, but right now I'm under the weather. All right. So I'm watching Eric make uh, edits in real time here and we're smoking a Casa Fernandez, not a Fernandez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I figured I would fix that before you said it, and you still said it. <laughs> but uh, we'll tell you all about it after this word from episode sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, on this episode of the podcast, we are smoking Casa Fernandez Miami Reserva in Toro. This is a 6x54 Toro. Nicaraguan Puro made in Miami. Although, um, I think I saw at least one retailer, pretty sure erroneously say that it was made in Little Havana. Not Little Havana. No, not Little Havana. Um, but yeah. It's made, more of a Doral situation. It's more like Greater Miami. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've talked about the factory plenty here in the past, whether in top 25 mm-hmm. lists or other things that we've smoked from that factory. But Aganorsa has a factory in uh in Doral uh so close to the airport in Miami so you've yep. probably flown over it a bunch of times if you've if you've come into Miami coming from the west coming from the west or the north as Ivan often does <laughs> um so anyway this is uh, uh I checked the uh retail price on Cigars International and there it was 940 I'm not quite sure what the current MSRP is because this is not a brand new uh skew it's yeah. not a brand new product. So, uh, but anyway, at, at least Cigars International currently sells it for $9.40 uh, per cigar in a pack of five. So that's what the math worked out to there. Uh, it had been in the humidor for a while. Do you have a sense of about how long it had been in there? This was uh, mid-2013. Got it. So these were the last two that I had from that box. And when Ivan said that he couldn't smoke... I knew that, you know, normally I wouldn't bring this one out because I we only smoke things that we have three of. Right. But once he said he couldn't smoke, I was like, hmm, maybe we can bust, bust out an oldie. Out the good stuff. Bring them out, bring them out. So, uh, yeah. So, from 2013, as you can see, or as you, Nick, can see, not the audience, the cello is uh, of a golden yellow color. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, it's got some age on it. Got some good age on it. Um, and, of course, it's got that Aganorsa tobacco. And you still feel Absolutely. it's Aganorsa-ness. 100%. You, I mean, as soon as you light it, you get that cedar and that cinnamon. Uh, you get that, like, nuttiness and creaminess. And that, and that clean, that very clean finish uh, that is part of the signature of, of Aganorsa tobacco. So, yeah, it is 
very much. You you taste the agonorsinus. Is, is that a word? The agonorsinus. It is now. The agonorsinus. Uh, even after all this time, bro. Uh, yeah, I'm totally digging it. Yeah. I love the color too on the wrapper. It's not something that I guess I remark on too often, but yeah. Well, you know what happens is these guys are are like very traditional in the way that they mm. make cigars. So they don't uh, they they won't process their like this is a, a Maduro shade in you know this wrapper, uh, but they won't like overdo it. Right. They will. So it although it is a Maduro. It's it's a it's almost it's uh, there's plenty of cigars out there that are consider themselves uh, naturals that have this shade so it's a very light color Maduro yeah. or a dark Colorado right so it's kind of in between it's dark but it still has like a rich brown color where a lot of Maduros are like well, you you'd almost look at them uh, and they look like black yeah so um, anyway no the color it, it's uh. Listen, I love this cigar. Yeah. There's nothing I can say. I mean, these are the last two, and I'm enjoying the crap out of mine. So we will come back to that cigar after we talk about some other things. Last time that we all gathered around for a podcast, we talked a bit about one Colin Kaepernick. Oh, back, Kaepernick. To, the, back to this guy. Back to this guy. So we won't spend a ton of time on it, but when we talked about it, I think it was the, the, it was maybe the day of or like right around the time of that workout that he had scheduled. It was very timely. Now I don't feel so timely. Now not so timely, <laughs> but you know, without, like, we're not going to report anything here, but basically, you know, he had the workout. <laughs> oh yeah, where's our, uh, where's our, our uh, cr- um, wow, Morse code, our Morse code oh, yeah. reporting thing. No. No, not happening. No, it's not going to happen today. Are you looking at me? I'm yeah, yeah, you're the, guy. Oh, sorry. You're, sorry. You're, you're the guy. You're the sound guy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Now we can do this. Uh, yeah, so last minute there was the whole thing with the waiver that he apparently didn't want to sign, and then they changed the venues and all that stuff. Basically, workout like never really happened, sort of, right? Or he like, threw the ball around, but by then, by the time he was throwing the ball around, it was like, what the hell for? So I'm completely lost on all of the Kaepernick stuff. I was out of the country uh, without... A lot of access. Yeah. So, so I, I really don't know what was going on. That's why when when it was on the show notes there, I was like, uh, I don't know what the hell to talk about with this guy. Yeah. What what is the nobody signed them? I guess. No. 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 Okay. Because I haven't. <laughs> of course not. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> what I heard. This is from uh, Adam Schefter, who's a very okay. credible football source. The one team that was very interested in him was the Atlanta Fal- Falcons. And they were the ones that organized the workout, I guess somewhere in Georgia, whatever. And then his team decided, or his entourage okay, yeah. decided. His agent, let's say. Right. To switch the the location, and they went and held it somewhere else. So it went against, again, it was a PR stunt from every angle. Um. It irked the Atlanta Falcons. The from one what, team from, that was interested. The in one it? team that was interested because they set it up. Sure I, I think they play? had to like set up security for it, uh, you know, facilities. They had to arrange all of that. And then when they had all of this ready, you know, for him to perform, he went and, and he pulls this thing off and then he goes somewhere else. So mm-hmm. he pissed off the only team that actually wanted to, that was interested in, in, in evaluating him. Yeah. Well, so the the thing that I never quite understood about the whole Colin Kaepernick tryout thing is that if a team is interested in you, they request a try and they have a private You can company. have a private yeah, yeah this is That's the most common way to do it, right? Right. 
And so it, it never made sense to me. Well, the, the at least part of how they explain it here, and this was part of why his changing the venue was such an issue, was that I think teams want to, at least in the initial stages, explore the option without getting sucked into all of those questions, right? So they did the thing. He wasn't supposed to have anybody on his and recording the thing they weren't going to live stream it they weren't going to broadcast this live this this open workout part of the thing was that he wanted a change of venue and he also wanted his own people recording the thing and part of the issue was these teams are like no man if we're going to go check you out playing like we flew all the way from wherever we flew from let's not turn this into a spectacle because now if we don't sign you now we've got our guy over there watching you throw a ball and we don't sign you and it turns into like oh here are all the all the racists that we can name by name, right? One of the things that I find interesting is how he's getting more and more criticism, even from people who in the past have been a little more pro-Kaepernick or defended Kaepernick, like uh, Stephen A. Smith, who after this workout was, and of course, all over the news also means all over ESPN, and they're making their own news, right? So part of it is them promoting their own guy and his hot takes. But... A Stephen A. Smith take was, for instance, that this guy has no interest in playing football. What he's interested in is being a martyr, uh, which is what it looks like to me. He also wore a, a Kunta Kinte shirt to the tryout, which is like, if you want to keep the let's, focus on let's football. Let's double down on this thing. Yeah, if you want to keep the focus on football, that's the last thing you wear. Yeah. You know. Uh, I don't want But anyway, yeah. That's what Side note here. Stephen A. Smith, I cannot stand him on TV. Pretty good on the radio. I haven't heard a lot of the radio. Some, I he's he's tolerable. Yeah, on the yeah on the radio. Is it just that he doesn't have somebody else to yell at? Maybe it's because he's got more time, so he doesn't have to really like come through with these like super he over the have top. To pilot on so far, Pil- right? Exactly. He doesn't yeah, have to it does pilot come on. on strong. Big Blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> so whoa, Petey. Petey did not like that. Uh. So maybe because it's a little like more thinned out because there's more time yeah. to him and and he has more control over over who's talking and and when he can give his you know his major take and when he can take calls, it's not bad, and he, and he seems more relatable, you know. Anyways, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that because he just turns me off with that. Me too, me too. But I heard him on the radio now and he was okay. Right, cool. So there's that. Here's my recommendation. <laughs> is Stephen A. Smith on the radio? Yeah, not bad. Cool. So, uh, all right. Also, another media event that made some waves and that is maybe as divisive, although less what? No? Hmm? No? You're shaking... Just had a shot of mezcal. <laughs> oh, you're shaking your head. I was like, nope, nope, Nick. What you're saying isn't correct. Um, no, that was the mezcal shake. Um the Tesla Cybertruck. So one of us here is a pickup person. Yep. Uh, so we'll start with you. What did you think of the Tesla Cybertruck? Uh, man, I think it's interesting. I I like certain things about it. I think you know the look is maybe a little too futuristic looking. However, I get it. Part of that part of that design is is to lower manufacturing cost. And so I get that, and to increase functionality of the truck, lower costs. Yeah, when it has all this and uh, like anti-missile like technology. Yeah, but, but in because it? of the way that it is 
designed and built, it is easier for them to mass produce them. Okay. So, so I, I so I get that part of it. I love the fact that uh, the entry level one is comparable to an entry level like F one fifty or or Chevy Silverado. So I think that's that's interesting as hell. Um, and then the towing capacity. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the the Ford F one fifty versus Tesla Cybertruck tow off. No, you see that where no, they? I did. Yeah, it was a little bogus, right? Because of the weight. Yeah, because of the weight differential, uh, and the the Tesla kind of gets a head start. Once you've got a head start, it, it's over, right? Like they both need to start at the same time if you're going to do that, uh, and they both need to be evenly matched on weight at the at the hitch. But uh, but anyway, what they're saying it's going to tow, if that is what it tows, uh, dude, that's that's impressive. Like for me, and this thing is two years away from coming out, but I would be in the market for that. I would 100% be interested in it. Like I would, I would test drive it. I'd I'd be on the list. I'd I'd want to get one because at that price, uh, it makes sense as a pickup truck. I like it from a look standpoint because it looks so different. The problem is because of its price, I feel like so many people are going to get it. Now I'm not the only one with this cool looking different thing. And now everybody else is going to, is going to have one kind of, and Nick made a good comparison. Kind of like when the Hummer first came out. Yeah. Not the, was, not the Hummer, like the Hummer H1 or whatever, that one that got super popular. Right. Yeah. Where it was yeah, a very was, unique thing, and now everybody's got one, and it's like, okay, I bought it because I wanted to be, you know, different and look cool and whatever, and now everybody's got one, so I don't like it. So I kind of like liking it to that, but I do like the whole futuristic look to it. I saw some inside, some videos of the inside. It, it's too plain on the inside for me. Well, so I think you're speaking like a person who's not a truck person. I am a truck person. No, you're not. But you've borrowed my truck. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, but no, if again, when I say that I'm in the market for it, it's because I see the the functionality of it for me, right? Because I tow a boat, I tow my trailer. How much more does it tow than yours? Oh, I don't. I don't have those figures. Now you've put me on the spot. Because I don't. Th- I, I'm having a tough time. Uh, yeah, it tows. Uh, it's supposed to tow fourteen thousand pounds, uh, which is right around what I what I can tow with my truck. About the same, right? Yeah, yeah. But however, however, this it's electric. Is electric. Yeah, right. So, so what does that mean? It means that you're able to not use gas, and normally, but now you have to charge it. Whereas yeah, you can go it, tow and stay out without charging out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, what? You don't have no, to. okay. So the way that I use uh, the trailer and and the boat and all that, I'm never out in the middle of nowhere. Wherever I camp, mm-hmm. I'm I have a I'm camping at a place where I have power, where I have access to power. So that's not an issue in that in that regard, right? I usually have not usually always. I've never taken my uh, RV camping in a primitive campground where you have no power, no water. That's not the way we use it. Okay. So for me it's not a it's not a concern the 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 plugging in part of it. So and the fact that it's a Tesla 
were a that's all. That's my contribution. That's it. That's what you got there. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm like I said, I am interested in it. Uh, I don't know. I love my I love my Silverado. I got no complaints about it. But uh, but I will be in. The, I'd probably be in the market for a new truck by that time. So so I, I would definitely consider it. And yeah. I think that you're probably closer to who the target market is. I think so there, too. Yeah. Rather than like people who are thinking about like you know. What they've had on their farm for however long. Absolutely. Or, no, no. This uh, is definitely... It's a luxury uh, truck. No, but these people afford luxury, too. These people that have lived on their farm. It's just a different... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, more it's in terms a different, of like a lifestyle. Like the design as it relates to your lifestyle and all yeah. that. Like uh, There was this guy on uh, on YouTube who does mainly tech reviews. Every time I'm going to buy like a phone or a tablet or whatever, I end up coming across reviews. He does Marquez Brownlee. Mm. Yeah, he's uh, the guy that, that had the requested the the matte black right, right, right. Tesla Cybertruck. Yeah. So uh so he made what I thought was a pretty good point in like a, a follow up to his, you know, initial impressions video on the Cybertruck and he was sort of comparing and I think it was interesting to see him talking about it because he's more of a tech reviewer than a than a car guy and this is kind of like at the intersection yeah, the of collision all of them, yeah. Uh and he was comparing uh the design here to Speaking to kind of, and we we watched the video that, that I'm talking about, uh, Ivan, but to the design choices that Apple's made somewhat recently, right? So you've got like those earbuds that, or the AirPods that when they came out, everybody like the whole thing was just how ugly and how stupid they look. And now you have third parties making Air, AirPod imitators yep. that have the same design that just a matter of a few years ago, everybody was saying were ugly. And now it's like the standard. Now it's like you're so used to seeing them everywhere. That's what it is. Uh, and also the three camera thing in the back of the of the new iPhones mm-hmm. that you look at it and it's sort of like it almost looks like a half baked thing, and I'm sure it's just going to be a matter. Of, it's you're already seeing it, right? Like that's just you see it, and it's like it's not as weird anymore. Just a few months into that being on the market, yep. So I could see something like this being, you know, yeah, you see them on the road, and it's like okay, at first maybe people who buy them are the early adopters who just oh I want this because it's going to be so different for sure. And then eventually, it's going to be so ubiquitous that, yeah, maybe it doesn't anymore appeal to people who want to be different, but it's not so out of the ordinary that it turns other people off. Now it's just like, yeah, that's what's on the road. I'm, you know, I'm not standing out. Yep. Now it's just a, that's what cars sometimes look like now. I'm I'm interested in the whole concept of of putting, and and uh, Elon Musk said that this would be an option later. Uh, Putting solar panels mm-hmm. on that back, yeah, that give you 15 miles per day of charge. If that were the case, then my commute to work every day would be completely free. Mm-hmm. I would not be using any gas because my commute is like two miles, not even two three miles. Okay. Yeah. So you'd be not charging. being electric. You're saying no. You are electric. Yeah. You're just charging you're... the battery with solar power. Right. But you still don't have to pay for that. I mean, you hook it up to something. You're you're just charging it. No, the solar panels are on the back of the truck. I know. And so, you're... but if it's all if it's electric already, aren't you already saving the money on the gas? But you're still paying for your utilities bill. Yeah, your electricity, better. your electric bill goes up because you're using that electricity to charge well, your car. Yeah, I didn't know how much your electricity is going up because of the car charging. I see the stations everywhere, so I was like, oh, I figured it wasn't. That dramatic of a of a charge for electricity, not compared to gas. Oh, example. of course, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the attraction, of course. 
Right. So how much more are you getting out of solar powers? If you're getting enough mileage to do your daily commute. I know, then, I understand. Then but you're not you're, wasting that. You're not having to recharge your battery. You're not having to reach. But I'm saying from a money perspective. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many. Yeah, how, I don't know. You know, however many kilowatt hours or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That battery uh, takes. But anyway, even just like the, if you, especially, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't park your car in your garage, even just the fact of like not having to go out to the front of your house and leave your car plugged in, which presumably means yeah, having I mean, it hooked up to something inside the house, just the convenience of, okay, my car's parked and it's going to be charging until I go to work tomorrow morning. And exactly. I'm good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the you, whole inconvenience with whole with electric cars in general. So if you can correct, have, so you have this truck that is too big to go into your garage. So that's beautiful that you don't have to charge it every single day. Yeah. You're still not in, huh? <laughs> you're no, you you threw some, No, now I'm now I'm thinking about wait, hold on. Now it's too big to fit in my garage. It but, is too big. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy is is shit. it that much bigger than a regular truck? Uh, that that's what I had read. I had read yeah. that it was oh, uh, in know. many cases wow. too large for a garage. Huh. Well, so anyway, yeah, there there we go with uh, Tesla. So Tesla Cybertruck, tell us at Cigar Snob Mag. By the way, if it's what is well, it, 45, well, 50 bucks, 50, 40, 40, 50 bucks, forty five, fifty thousand dollars. It starts it starts off at fifty. I'd rather get I'd rather get the new vet. Have you seen the new vet? No, I went to yeah, uh, yes, I've seen the new vet. It is gorgeous. It does not cost fifty thousand. Number one. What is it? No, it's not. The regular Stingray is fifty thousand. The new one is not, but uh, I thought it was like fifty-eight. That's no, no, it's not. No, I was I was there when they unveiled it here in Miami. Uh, I took my Whoa, son. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, but that's a completely different argument now. I know. I I'm would just, get the vet. Well, yeah, okay. I'm just well. I'm just comparing dollars for dollars. That's it. No, but, but I I, I do think it's sporting. A, I yeah. do think it's a legitimate thing because Tesla is going after non-pickup people too here, right? Like I think they're trying to win some pickup converts. Because and another again MSRP same. is fifty eight thousand. Again, that's the Stingray. All right, whatever that thing's badass. And now, for a word, before we move on to other topics other than the Cybertruck, from episode sponsor, Viva La Vida. After twenty three years in the retail side of the cigar business, brothers Billy and Gus Faki took a trip to Esteli, Nicaragua that changed their lives. After spending time with A.J. Fernandez and visiting his fields and factories, they decided to have A.J. make cigars for their new company, Artesano del Tobacco. The brothers Fakir are excited to introduce their latest creation, the Viva La Vida Jester. The full-bodied blend for this 5x56 limited edition masterpiece has been in the works for almost a year and is the product of A.J.'s mastery in cigar making, and the Faki brothers' profound understanding of the American cigar smoker. Like all Artesano del Tobacco cigars, the Jester is only available in brick-and-mortar cigar shops. It comes in packs of five for $58, which works out to $11.60 per cigar. Ask your local retailer for Viva la Vida del Jester, or look them up on artesanodeltobacco.net. That's artesano, A-R-T-E-S-A-N-O, D-E-L, T-O-B-A-C-C-O, that's tobacco in English, artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram profiles at Artesano del Tobacco. All right, let's go back to this cigar that we've been smoking, which is, again, the Casa Fernandez Miami Reserva, which has also been in our humidor for, since what, you said mid-2013? Yep. So where are you at with this? 
it's it's still it's a it's a lovely smoke. It's uh, flavorful, creamy. Doesn't have any any negativity in in the profile, right? Like you know, you you may have you may have flavors in a cigar that you say, oh wow, no, it's got a really nice pepper and a really nice this, but it comes with a cost, right? Usually, uh, and so on a cigar that's originally was very very good and has been aged this ma- this many years uh, there's there's nothing nothing bad about it right there's no trade off here you don't have to give anything up so so i'm i'm loving it cool yeah same uh and i'm getting like a lot of uh uh like dark espresso from yeah. this too it's like a very coffee forward cigar yeah in at least at this point to yeah in addition to the traditional agonorsa notes you're right there is like a a coffee or even like a mocha element to it yeah. that is beautiful i mean it's nice it's it's beautifully balanced it's complex it's it's almost like um uh like a coffee covered uh coffee covered chocolate covered coffee bean sort of thing sure where it's like that coffee bean that you can just chew on and it's got that bitterness uh yeah, I'm I'm a big fan, and again the the the, the construction as always with everything they do, super nice, color on the wrapper, super nice as I said before, um, yeah, yeah the uh, you know this is the kind of cigar and and again I'm always thinking that people probably say oh yeah you guys love every cigar, but this this cigar if it was brand new on the market today, it would likely be a candidate for you know a top five spot. In our top 25. Yeah. It is not because it has been sitting in the humidor for six years. So right. that's unfair. And that's why we don't do those things. But if that, if you went to the store right now, if we were doing the top 25 where we go back out and rebuy everything, if we had bought this at a store, you'd go, you'd go okay, yeah, this is instantly a top five candidate because it's that good. So Absolutely. Um, so anyway, I, I will say... If you haven't tried Casa Fernandez Miami things, because there's a lot of Casa Fernandez Miami anniversary and all the rest of that, if you haven't tried it, do go ahead and do it. Because I don't think that this is too far off. It's aged super nicely, but not super far off from what you're used to from this blend or from these blends. I, I do notice a, yeah. a big difference, yeah. No, 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 I'm not saying the difference isn't big. I'm just saying it's not like... Oh, because sometimes oh, it's really, an excellent cigar. You really do take cigars no. that are terrible. Yeah, this is sort of like it deepens all the stuff that you already loved about the cigar. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but it's not like oh, you know, it really needed these six years to remove or move past. This I, thing I agree that was with in the that. Way. I agree with that. Um, so I only say that in the sense of like I still think that this is something that we can recommend people do because very often we say like oh yeah, we're smoking this, we love it, go get one. In this case, you're not going to go out and find a six year old one, but do go out and, and pick up this stuff made more recently for sure uh so eric you were recently very far away yes i was man eating funky things and i'm still by the way I, to translate I, i'm still feeling it like i i'm right now i am crashing uh i'm i'm still jet lagged like i i rarely don't i i i usually am not jet lagged i i handle flying pretty well but this was this was a lot. Yeah, this is a lot to overcome. So where were you at? So I flew I flew to China for the uh, China uh, Tobacco Expo. We were invited by by the China National Tobacco Company 
to exhibit uh, the magazine there. And I was I was impressed by how many Chinese consumers knew the magazine. So China's cigar industry is controlled by the China National Tobacco Company, right, which is owned by the government. And so I was really, really surprised at how many people came through the booth, like already fans of the magazine, but never having come across the print, mm-hmm. right? Like never having seen it themselves, but they were fans of, of the magazine, I guess, through our website or maybe the podcast. I don't know. The t-shirts. I doubt the podcast because none of them could understand me. It's the t-shirts. Oh, for sure. It's the t-shirts. <laughs> but but they were super jacked. Like they came through when they opened the doors to the to the trade show. It was like they just came through and stormed the booth. And they have a, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but the first couple people that came in started to take pictures of themselves, like selfies with our banners and our our backdrops, which had the, the beautiful models. Right. And so as soon as a couple people were doing that, then everyone else that came through that entered the hall, like this is when it just opens, everyone else did the same thing. And it was like a mob of people outside my booth. But I had, like within minutes, I'd run out of magazines because they were just like, they would grab them by the, like it was like two by two. And so at one point, there was like a whole crowd of people in front of our booth. I wasn't in the booth because... I had nothing more to give, and I wanted to take pictures of them taking pictures of themselves, and so it was uh, it was kind of surreal. So that that was very interesting, and I was uh, obviously very thankful for uh, the China National Tobacco Company for inviting us. I thought that was that was very cool of them. Uh, they had me speak at a forum uh, to to formally present the magazine to the directors of China National Tobacco, and that was that was very cool. They they didn't have to do any of that, right? So, so yeah, man, that was, uh, that's what I was doing over there. A lot of smoking going on. You know, unfortunately, this was the only cigar trade show I've ever been to where smoking was not allowed on the show floor. Wow. So, and I think that the organizers underestimated how much that mattered. No terrace? No. There was, no, there was, no, there was a terrace and it was actually quite nice. You could go out there, Uh but but when you have like Hochi Blanco at the, at his booth uh and and Lito Gomez Abe Flores and guys like that are at their booth presenting their cigars to these Chinese retailers and consumers they're doing it without a cigar in their mouth and it just I'll, I'll be honest by about three o'clock every day those guys were gone they were outside. They weren't at their booth anymore. They were like, okay, I need, I need to go smoke a cigar. Yeah. Or I want to go smoke a cigar. Or they'd invite some of the people that were hanging out at their booth to go outside and smoke <coughs> a cigar with them. But that doesn't work, right? Because you're the face of the brand. You need to be at your booth. So so I think they, they underestimated. Listen, this was the first time they did it. And so I think they learned a lot. Uh, I made sure to make that point. I hammered it home. Like, is it because uh, of the laws? Yeah, the they had they had a they have a smoking ban in crazy. The, That's no, crazy. I, I take it back. Not a smoking ban. They have a smoking restriction in the convention center. Right. So, but again, it's not when, just us then. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> right. I told when I told the organizer, 
uh, you know, the head organizer about how that needed to change. He was like, you think so? I, I, I thought it wasn't bad. I'm like, dude, I go to these things all over the world. This is not, it did not feel normal. I, and I told him, go ask Ho Chi and Lido and Abe. Ask them why they were outside for the second half of the day. Because they, they it's time to smoke a cigar. Like, yeah. I'm here selling let's, cigars. Let's taste product. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's that's part of the thing, right? Aside from the fact that that's just the way that you want it to feel, you want to be able to smoke cigars at a cigar thing. It also, I mean, how are you... It's like if you put... Uh, 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 if you put covers over cars at a car show that you're trying to sell or something. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, we're, all you can do is talk about it. Right. Yeah. And show pictures. Yeah, trust me. It's very <laughs> boxy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that you know that that was uh, and and he said that that for sure for next year or they plan on doing it every other year. So so for the next one, he said he'd have that resolved. So so what did um before we move on to other just like general uh, China and Hong Kong things? What did you learn about just the cigar scene and cigar smoking in China? Aside from the legal stuff, just like what are people into what? What was exciting to people there? They're into some funky stuff over there. I've well, food-wise, <laughs> food-wise, they're into funky stuff. But uh, on the cigar side, uh, there was a lot of uh, Davidoff okay. and a lot of Cubans. Okay. Those were the, the two things that kept coming up. And there are four brands, four Chinese brands uh, that, that the Chinese National Tobacco Company is trying to promote more heavily obviously these these are their own brands which by the way in some cases use their own tobacco that they grow in myanmar and burma and things like that and so so they're, they're trying to promote those and i'm going to write up uh i'm going to write up a little uh internet like a website post about these brands i brought some so that we can smoke them um but the most common thing that i saw being smoked by consumers was again Cubans or Davidoffs. Yeah, um, th- there are. There's a little bit of. There's a little bit of Fuente here and there. Not not super heavy. Uh, there's a little bit of Placencia here and there. Again, not super heavy. Um, yeah, those were those were the big brands that I saw. So moving on from cigars. Oh, by the way, oh. w- one of the things that's interesting is they get the majority of their cigar information through WeChat, which is their sort of their version of WhatsApp. Okay. But it's a it's a WhatsApp that can do a bunch. Like you can pay you can pay through it. You can uh, it, it's it's a very robust WhatsApp. Yeah. And and they use that uh quite a bit to to learn about cigars and, and even buy cigars from from uh from other people. The problem with it is that sometimes they're counterfeits and things like that. So that's part of what China National Tobacco is trying to resolve, right? By increasing the amount of brands from the outside world that they bring in. Right. Uh, so away from cigars, you thought that maybe you ate some testicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 man, that was. I, I really, I didn't sleep well that night. <laughs> we were in a seafood restaurant, so that automatically, I, I felt a little bit better that I. I was almost sure that I hadn't eaten testicle, but I still had this concern because, man, this it was it was actually a swim bladder. It, okay. 
what I, what we were eating. Let me Google this. Well, but it, man, it looked like a testicle. And I was like, Shit. how do I tell these people? You know, I didn't want to be rude because they served it. And uh, thankfully, it turned out not to be testicle. But that swim bladder, not my favorite thing. Uh, of, I mean, we ate a bunch of incredible food. Swim bladder was not one of them. I didn't like it. So, t- it so what is a swim bladder? The swim bladder is is the part of the of the fish uh, that helps the fish regulate its, let's say, height, right, or depth. Right. So it it fills it fills this little pocket with air, and it, it can it goes up and and right. So that's kind of how, how it handles its depth. Uh, certain species of fish, uh, and so I guess that's a, a delicacy, or I don't know, but. I did not love it. Say, Eric, do you like fish sticks? Yeah. You like putting fish sticks in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you, Eric? A gay fish? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really, I appreciate that. In my jet-lagged, warped sensibility right now, I really appreciate that. Um, okay, cool. So that was the one of the food items that had you a little, you know, freaked out, kept you up at night. Yeah, but it seemed like I, there was I a lot of thinking you... about it. I was yeah. like, man, did I just was that what I ate there? But but what were some of the highlights? Uh, well, so we <laughs> Nick uh, Nick Nanovichit from Ensolo Consulting was a company that makes boxes and promo goods and all kinds of stuff for some of the biggest brands in the world. He was there as well. He's a rock star there, right? Like everybody in China is okay, like, whoa, Nick! I'll, t- oh. I'll tell you, okay, in the cigar world, no, nobody knows Nick. But in the world of factories that make, again, boxes and and promo goods and all kinds of stuff, he is a rock star. That's crazy. He is like when he walks when he walks into someone's booth, they're like, "I smell money," <laughs> like you know. So that was uh, that was interesting. So so Nick and I went uh, like three cons- He went four consecutive nights to the same restaurant, that same one that served us those. Testicles. Uh, swim bladders. <laughs> Scrotums. <laughs> Fish testicles. But uh, so we went, man, the, the place was incredible. It was called, uh, or it is called, 79 Fishing Boat or something like that. That's what it translates to. And uh, and so what are the some of the things we ate? Uh, the king crab. They do, uh, you pick your, your king crab from, uh, like the restaurant. When you walk into the restaurant, there's, it's about it's about a hundred feet of fish tanks on one side and then a hundred feet of fish tanks on the other side. And you're going through picking what you want to eat. Wow. And then you pick it, they weigh it, and then they put it in a bag with your with a little ticket that says this belongs to you, and they hang it and the and the, the little hook that takes it takes it from where you're at, where the fish tanks are, into the kitchen. And that ticket says everything. It says how you want it prepared, what you want to do with it. And so while you're still walking around fish tanks, your food is starting to be prepared. By the time you finish picking everything you're going to eat, you sit down and the first thing you picked is already coming to the table. So pretty damn cool. Wow. So the uh, the king crab, the fried king crab legs and knuckles were outrageous. I mean, uh, there was a little like a, a fried garlic um little fried garlic chunks that they would put on the fried crab leg i i could put that on anything 
It was so freaking good on anything. I mean, it would be like we'd finish the crab and they'd want to take the the plate. I'd be like, no, 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 leave it here because we want to we want to sprinkle that garlic on everything else that we've got because it was so delicious. Uh, what else? The scallops. They have these little scallops with uh, like a rice noodle and then a ton of garlic on it. More fresh garlic than it is fried garlic like the other one. Uh, also amazing. I we had we reordered that every single night. Nice. It was so damn good. Um, we stayed away from the fried rice even though we did get it one time. Because then you just fill up and you can't overeat as much as you would like to. Yeah. So there was a lot of overeating. Yeah. So they have they have honey chicken? They do not have honey chicken. No. Especially not at a seafood place. Oh. And for those who do, that's your go to. That is my go to here. I I I have no shame. American Chinese. Yes. I'm I am willing to bet that my go to of chicken with broccoli is not a thing. Yeah, and I couldn't tell you because we went over and over and over to the seafood place. Yeah. So we didn't get a, I, I didn't get a a fair picture of what the rest of Chinese cuisine yeah. looks like. Uh, so after the show, or a few, uh, I don't know how long after the show, but it's you the crossed, after party. After the show is the after the par- after party, and then the hotel lobby. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. But uh, after the show, you crossed over to Hong Kong. We did, and um, you know. A little concerned, right, with all the protests going on. People were concerned. Nick was like, don't worry about any of that. You're going to have an awesome time in Hong Kong. Don't worry about the protest. I was like, all right, buddy. I mean, you got kids just like I do. I'm sure you don't want to die either. So so we crossed. And But the Chinese, the mainland Chinese people in Shenzhen, which is where we were, every time someone would say, oh, so what are you guys going to do tonight? Are you going to the so-and-so whatever party? I was like, no, no, we're going to head over to Hong Kong. And they would like stop for a beat, you know? Yeah. You're going to Hong Kong? Like, yeah. You know, it's a little bit of a mess right now. You're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think it'll be fine. I don't know shit, right? I'm just like, I'm going all in because Nick tells me sure. to go all in. You you have to be careful with the colors you wear. You're, you can't go like all black, right? Correct. You know, that's the other thing. People say, oh, you'll be fine. Number one, you're not Chinese, so people are not going to care about you. And number two... Just don't wear black. Or a bandana on your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't cover your face with a bandana. Which is, by the way, a lot of people cover their faces because of the smog. So, you know how you see, like, the people with the surgical mask? That's a normal thing we see. Right. Well, over there, because I guess this is a this is an everyday thing, I'm going to wear this mask. And those masks, you wear them once and then you throw them away. So, people have these other masks that look like, like ninja masks that are, like, neoprene looking. Mm-hmm. And they wear these all the time. And it's a little disconcerting. Is it like what you might get at a hardware store to paint or something like that? No, it looks uh it looks like a it, it looks like a ninja mask. I mean it I can't describe it yeah. another way. It's it's tight onto your face, black neoprene, yeah. and then it wraps around your ears. Huh. And it looks it looks menacing. It doesn't like you, you see the guy in there like hey. You yeah. are you throwing a brick at me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's the smog. It's Don't just worry. the smog, dude. Relax. But uh but to give you an idea of just how you know palpable the whole tension is, when you walked out of our hotel, this is took, this is in Shenzhen. This is in no in Hong Kong. Oh, you stayed in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you walked out of our hotel, a couple paces to the left. There are a pile of bricks because what the protesters do is they 
they dig up the bricks from the sidewalk because the sidewalk was all brick. So they would dig that up and they'd use that as projectiles and as barricades and right. So there's piles of bricks right by our, I mean, literally you walk out of your hotel, take two steps to the left and there's bricks right there. I took, I took pictures of it. And so it's sad because Hong Kong is, is an incredible city. I mean, it is, if you don't mind a little adventure and perhaps a little danger, I would recommend anyone uh, because it is such a unique place in the world. I don't think there's anything, anything else like it. It's, it's like New York City in terms of the, the city itself. It feels like you're in New York, but then, and the streets have British names, but then everything is in Chinese. Other than that, everything's in Chinese. Yeah. And so it's this total collision of East and West in one city, but for the most part works harmoniously. Uh, and as a matter of fact, what's not harmonious about it is the the transition to Hong Kong becoming Chinese, right? Full-blown managed by the – or run by the Chinese, whereas it was British, yeah. right? So, just, I mean, at a, at a very basic level. And so that's the clash, right? The, the protests are about people starting to lose their freedoms. And, and so that, that's, what they're, that's what they're protesting about. And unfortunately, I, I think, I hope that, that they have some success in, in, in pushing that back. But uh, I, I think it's going to come, like, what, what you know as Hong Kong now is, is I don't think it's going to exist in, in five years or so. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's wild. And, so and I, would, I would go now if you can. I mean, it's, again, I can't tell you how badass it is. It's yeah. just... So we may, I think there's probably enough material there that maybe in other episodes of the podcast, we'll revisit the whole China thing because there's still probably so yeah. much to say. Uh, that was where you went. Ivan, you crossed another body of water to get to Key Biscayne for <laughs> the David segue. Ortiz, for the David Ortiz Celebrity Golf Classic. Tell us about this. Well, Big Poppy, as you know, um, uh, has his own cigar brand. And he uh, was unfortunately uh, the victim of a, you know, shooting of a shooting. Yeah, uh, fairly of a, of, a of a fairly recent shooting. Yeah, yeah. I would say in the last six or seven six months or so, something like that. Where luckily uh, he survived, and he's very well now. And his uh, charity golf tournament is now in Key Biscayne. At least it was this year, which it was usually held in um, in Santo Domingo. Um, and he had everybody turn out, you know, uh, to support his, uh, his foundation. And he had a great turnout in Key Biscayne at Crandon Golf Course. Uh, and let me tell you, he had the best turnout of, of major leaguers that I've ever seen in my entire life. So just right off the top of my head, um, I hung out with John Lester, Johnny Damon, Mike Lowell, uh, Jim Rice, Barry Larkin. Uh, it was a really awesome like yeah. collection of like baseball greats that played this game, and they were all there hanging out, you know, uh, smoking cigars because el, el artista, which yeah, David or artista. Te, te artista, which uh, David Ortiz is uh, affiliated with, yep. they uh, make the big was there with uh, Jose Manuel Victoria, that's right, our a, boy, a great friend of ours. Uh, everybody was smoking his cigars. We were having a good time. The weather was amazing. They were all staying at the Ritz. So they came over to uh, Crandon Golf. They played golf there. Um, it was an awesome time. Uh, 
the first time I ever had uh, what was it called? Boston Burger Company. Have you ever heard about this? No, never heard of. It. Oh my god, these <clears throat> burgers are so amazing! It's like the most like outlandish burgers you've ever seen in your entire life. So I had a mac and cheese burger. I had like four, okay. like a four cheese mac and cheese. Okay, but on... it's it's a bur- okay, so it's a patty. It's a patty with mac and cheese on top of it, and then there was all and and bacon. Yeah, why right? not? Right, why not? Yeah, why, why would and you then stop at the, mac the and big poppy burger? Had like three eggs and French fries and. It's a lot of eggs. Is is an they were delicious, delicious, really? delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was, sounds train wreckish. It was train wreckish, but I mean, we're we're coming up on New Year's. I think everybody's going to be starting their diet yeah. next year, right, a New right. Year's resolution. But it was an amazing day. Uh, everybody loved uh, the turnout. A lot of love for for Big Poppy and for the magazine. It was a great. It was a great day. Oh, cool, so, yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, I was with the I was with the Tabacalera Tita guys in China, so we were we were talking about you know about how you know we've got one crew at their golf tournament, and so it was the same thing. Like they had the same exact dynamic that I had. And I was like, well, one crew here, one crew over there. And like, yeah, we're in the same boat. We have one one group of guys here and one group of guys over there. So it was a little unfortunate that they had to hold it in Cuba's game, apparently. Like they say that when they held held it in in the Dominican Republic, the parties were crazy. Yeah, but you know because of the uh, the shooting, whatever. Right now they're yeah, being held not. here for safety reasons, whatever. But I was hearing some of the stories of the Dominican ones, and they were amazing. <laughs> so, uh, do we want to get into the Thanksgiving food thing? Just briefly, what's everybody doing? What's everybody eating? So I've been uh, a little out of the loop because I've been so far away. We eat turkey. Um, but yeah, but uh, so I would assume that that we're gonna be doing the same, uh, the same thing that we do every year, which is my mom makes uh, makes the turkey, and she I don't know if we talked about this last year, but she makes one turkey that I can eat because and my and and my kids who don't eat dairy, and and I don't either. So the butter's the issue. Yeah, but the other one, the one that I used to eat when I was eating dairy, mm. that one is crazy. She uh, she gets a stick of butter, and she. Cuts right it up, up the into, old pooper. Huh? Right up the old pooper. No, right, no, right down the, <laughs> the right gullet. Down the top of the bird. The gullet. She uh she she cuts it up into four pieces and then wraps it in bacon and then jams it into the uh the top of the turkey there and holy mackerel, this shit is good. What are you doing, Nick? Uh so we're doing Thanksgiving at a, at an uncle's house. I don't know who's making the turkey. Usually my mom makes it no matter where it is. Uh but that's more of like a Cuban lechon style turkey. So marinated in mojo and then in an oven. That's where it gets cooked. Yeah, th- this one is marinated in, in mojo yeah. also. Yeah. Ivan? What about you, Ocampo? I'm frying two birds this year. The old fryer. Yep. The back-to-back, right, on one fryer. One fryer, man. Never done it before. I've only gone one turkey, but this time we're going two. How long does it take to fry the whole turkey? talking to your brother he said like 40 minutes it's only, like a it, lot. it's a lot it's only taking me like 20 25 minutes to to, to fry one of those things mm. so mm. Mm. yeah so but how what are the logistics here because you're gonna fry one turkey and then like put it in the oven while you wait for the other one yeah it's not what 20 minutes is not not a lot of time so we will do a commercial break Maybe talk briefly about the cigar, although for me it hasn't changed a whole lot. No, not at all. So, but still an excellent cigar. I will be 
smoking this down to the nub. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll do a commercial break. Message from episode sponsor Drew Estate, and then we'll come back with our parting recommendations, of which, fair warning, I have a bunch. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, and as always, we're ending on our parting recommendations where we let you know things that we think you should eat, smoke, watch, read, do. Ivan, what you got? Nothing groundbreaking, but I just got a, just got caught up with House of Cards on Netflix. Caught up or you just started watching? Just started watching it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is super old. It's been out since 2012. You know, I heard a lot of great things about it, but I started watching it now that I cut the cord and now I have to watch a bunch of like network So what like season TV are you stuff. in? Uh, season one. Oh, okay. Oh, it's it's good for a while. Yeah. Oh really? And then yeah. what happens? It, it turned... I, I lost oh. I lost interest once it started to get too but I loved it. Like the first few seasons I thought oh. were awesome. Oh, I think you just spoiled it for me because it... no? No, 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 st- no stick no. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you'll love it until then you're gonna be like, Okay, yeah. Now you've lost me because no, no, but, but stick with it. All right. Yeah. Right. So that's what no, I'm doing. No, you'll enjoy it. It's it's a fun show. But so far you're so far, it. awesome. Even considering that you're years removed from it and like all the hype that you've already heard. Oh you're... no, no, no. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Cool. Uh all right. So I'll run through mine because I I have a few uh and I'll do them backwards. Number one, shout out to Ozzy Gomez. That's how I came across the video of this uh, good guy with a gun story. There's a story about a guy in Miami. Uh we'll put the link on uh on the page for this episode. Uh, but the headline of the story is Miami man in van guns down AK-47 wielding robber because he didn't want to, quote, to go out like a punk. Uh, this guy of course is not. This guy is awesome. Pretty funny. He's got a great Jamaican accent. Yes. As he Kingstown. Tells, yeah, as he tells this whole story. Uh, but the Cliffs Notes is a guy broke into the van that this guy that this guy lives in, had an AK-47, and uh, and yeah, given that they were in close quarters, Moves supposedly, according to this guy, moves the uh, the Barrel. business end of the gun yeah. out of the way, and uh, yeah, empties his Glock into the guy's chest. Those were his words, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, kudos to that guy, and also good for him and his family that they're still alive. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's that. You said Ozzy Gomez gave you that Ozzy from Galeano. I Cigar? saw him posting on Facebook. Ah, yeah. Cool. Uh, so then another recommendation on Netflix, a documentary called The Search for General So. So since we were just talking about Chinese food and honey chicken and oh, all yeah, that. Oh, th- yeah, I think I've seen that. This is a good documentary about like how Chinese yeah. food in America came to be Chinese food in America. So pretty cool. And it's like a fun, like the pacing is nice. It is. Uh, so I, it's almost like the food version of if you're into like 30 for 30 stuff and that sort of thing. I like that you're it's right. It's cool. That's, and then, that's all. It's not, it's been a few years. A little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Uh, and then finally, an audiobook. Uh, I am only a few chapters in, but we've talked a bunch about Amparo. So Vanessa Garcia, the playwright who wrote Amparo, has a novel that was just put out in audiobook form called White Light. Uh, and that is about a Cuban-American painter. And it's sort of like a family drama thing, very different, at least so far for me. 
from Amparo. Uh, I don't know whether more like Cuban history stuff comes into it, uh, but I loved Amparo, as I think all of us did. Yep. So you got to figure, you know, we loved one thing she did, so I'm pretty comfortable recommending one of her audiobook uh, novels. Yeah, I'll uh, get in it. So anyway, those are my three. Uh, so me, I don't know if you guys remember, I think the last uh, roundtable episode we did, I said I was recommending something that I had not used, which was the Skyrome Solace X, which is a mobile Wi-Fi hotspot. And the thing worked uh, extremely well in China. The only thing that it did not help me with, because it can't, is China's uh, blockade of certain internet sites like Google hmm. uh, and, and all social media stuff. You can't use any of that. Uh, you have to go through a VPN, and that didn't work very well the, through the solace. Does Skyrim offer a version that circumvents all of this? So they do offer a version, or it's not out yet, but they are working on a, on a version that has its own built-in VPN uh, and hopefully it works better than than the one that I was I was using ExpressVPN, which is a good one, but it wasn't was like, good enough to yeah, get around. That's a great business opportunity, right there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, seriously, the Skyrim Solace X, uh, you pay nine dollars a day for unlimited awesome. internet. So I was FaceTiming with my family every day for a good long while and not worrying about data charges or anything. Cause it was unlimited. Oh, trade show! Here we come this year. That's right, buddy. Oh, baby, awesome. watch out! Uh, so anyway, that was at the uh, Skyrim Solace X. Good stuff. Pretty all right, cool. anything else? That's it. That's all I got, man. That's I'm gonna go it. to sleep now. That's that's it for this episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. We're gonna let Eric get to bed. You can find us on social media at Cigar Snob Mag on all the things. CigarSnobMag.com slash shop to subscribe and buy back issues of the magazine. And of course, subscribe to this podcast. Like it, rate it, review it, send it to your friends, tell your mom, tell your wife. We're podcasting everybody out here. Uh, all right, that's it. Take care. Later. Later. Later.